This is the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast interview with Gideon Waxman. All the sensations, everything we experience around us is there's opportunity in everything to explore and find new things. Always, no matter what it is. It can be something that seems bad, but it's only your thinking self that that, re- that really perceives it as being that. Nothing is good or bad by nature. And if you can change your perspective, whatever it is you're doing, you can find new ways to, in- to enjoy stuff. It's like, even if it's the same route you drive or the same song you're playing or the same song you're listening to, you can always find new details, always. Exploring, exploring that through mindfulness, channeling mindful, mindful vibes, just experiencing, not thinking about the experience, but just simply experiencing. And with a, with a curious mind and without judgment, being able to see. And that, that's the thing, that's, what, that's the gateway, that's what opens up enjoyment. You know, taking away that interference and just experiencing things for what they are, it will open up so many doors, you know. You're listening to the Music Therapy Chronicles, a podcast about music therapy from a variety of perspectives. Our ambition is to inspire and connect listeners through meaningful conversations, just like a music therapy conference you can listen to anywhere. My name is Trisha Coyote, and I am a board-certified music therapist from the New England region. If you like what you hear, join our group on Facebook and share your own insights and thoughts about the episodes. You can also connect with us on social media and online at Music Therapy Chronicles. Welcome back to the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast. In today's episode with Gideon, we talk all about music and mindfulness, specifically drumming, because Gideon is the voice behind Drum Helper, which is an awesome website with tons of drumming-related resources, videos, reviews. He talks about mindfulness over there, too. And one of the cool things about this interview is that although Gideon is not a music therapist, he has done some research about music nostalgia um, with older adults and obviously music and mindfulness and bridging those two concepts. So I really hope you enjoy this interview. Please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a review on iTunes or Facebook. Those reviews really help the podcast be more visible to listeners looking for this type of content. And I'm finding, and maybe you've noticed, that more non-music therapists are on the show because more non-music therapists are finding the show and showing interest in it. So it's great to also learn from them and what they're doing. You can also find us online and on social media at Music Therapy Chronicles. Uh, And If you're looking for another way to support the show, you can become a patron on patreon.com. All right, let's get into this episode with Gideon. Welcome to the Music Therapy Chronicles, Gideon. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on, Bob. I'm excited for our conversation today. So Me too. <laughs> awesome. To start us off, can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. So I'm Gideon. I have actually just turned 26. Happy birthday. Um, thank you very much. So yeah, I'm a drummer. I'm a drum tutor. I'm a blogger, a music educator, and mindfulness advocate from London. And yeah, I've been playing drummers for like since I was 10. And I went to university at the at the University of Westminster to study music and it's my passion it's everything I do so yeah awesome so you are one of our unique guests because you're not a music therapist but everything you're doing is really awesome so um can you start us off by telling telling us how you got into music and how that's kind of led your journey to what you're doing now perfect yeah great question so basically um 
yeah, I never really had like a passion for music when I was young. Like, I my mum got me piano lessons and I hated them. So I'd always end up like running away from like my piano tutor who was like, she was lovely, bless her, like an old lady. But like, I just didn't get it. I didn't get like memory was a big thing. Like the coordination to be able to use like both hands. Like I just really struggled with it. Like I basically where I got with it when I was like eight or nine was like pre-grade one, like not even grade one out of eight, <laughs> like pre-grade one, like getting there eventually. But yeah, I just, I just did, was not interested in it whatsoever. But then I just remember just seeing like drum sets, like not even just music or um, just seeing drummers, but just like seeing drum sets and thought they looked so cool. I was just like, oh, how they like, how it just looks, how it's presented, um, how the symbols look, like how shiny they are, how cool it is. And I was just like, I want one. I want one. I want to learn to play. That's literally like the coolest thing ever. So yeah, I, uh, I begged my parents. They were like, no, no, no. Um, but then one day we were in like Costco. You have Costco in America, right? Yes, we do. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then there was these, these like space saving drums called like Arbiter Flats. And they were literally like pancake drums, but it looked like a drum set. And I was like, that's it. Like, that's the one I want. Like we can have it. There'll be space. We can do it. And the parent, um, finally my parents like caved in. They're like, okay, okay. They just thought I'd give up. Like, this is just going to be like a quick flash in the pan, whatever. But I just, I was just a, yeah, like obsessed. I'd always play, always go online, like watching, listening to drummers like Travis Barker, and I just ended up just playing all the time. I probably wasn't wasn't any good when I started, but like I just kept doing it. And then I then I got lessons in secondary school, in high school, and just kept with it really. And then like just the more I got into it, the more I'd list start my interest in music as well, just like listening to to more styles of music, more bands, trying to like emulate and copy the the drums that were going on and just fit, just finding my own feet basically. And then this kind of just carried on and it, and it hasn't stopped. It was when I was maybe like 14, 15, where I was getting really, really into it, playing all the time when I come home from school. Um, and yeah, just kept playing, kept playing, kept growing. Did my grade eight when I was like 16. Then, as I said, went to uni to do music, and obviously my drum, my my interest with drumming has just always carried on. I've been in bands, and then whilst I was at, whilst I was at university was when I kind of got more interested with like music therapy mm-hmm. side of things, and then got more into like the mindfulness route and seeing kind of bridge it all together, uh, understanding how drumming itself operates as a therapy and how we can incorporate mindfulness as well. These similar values all together. And yeah, here I am, I'm 26, and still doing it all. I love that. So one of the things that came to my mind, um, I'll see if I can explain this. So I feel like in our profession as music therapists, we very often use hand percussion, but we yeah. don't usually explore drum set um, just because of the nature of what we do, and it's harder to carry a drum set. With exactly, us. <laughs> it's not the most convenient instrument to to bring along to like a classroom or a, or a session or anything and that's to be honest I actually thought this yesterday and I probably think it all the time it's like uh I was recording yesterday and I did uh two new drum covers and I actually really challenged myself with this one I did uh Tom Sawyer by Rush and it's arguably one of the most difficult challenging songs to learn on drums because it's it's always changing nothing repeats the same mm-hmm. it's like a memory test and yeah I had to take all my drum stuff from my flat uh, back to my parents' house where they let me record, thankfully. And uh, yeah, set it all up. Have to set up the drum set, then all the recording equipment, lighting equipment, the filming stuff, play. And then I'll teach some lessons and then pack it all away, bring it back to my flat, bring it all back in the flat. It's like, oh gosh, like the one bad thing about drumming is how much equipment you've got to take. <laughs> and like, it'll do your back in, like all the constantly unloading and setting up and then setting back down, but it's worth it. absolutely worth it I think I went on a tangent there that's okay it's I mean (laughs) everyone listening can relate because we're all just you know we got the rolly cart and the guitar and then you know we're jingling down the hallways wherever we are we totally get it (laughs) yeah unless drummers are probably listening being like that's sweet (laughs) try being a drummer true true yeah different 
different story. So have you, do you do anything with hand percussion or do you focus mainly on drum set and using I that? I do, I do. So I do, uh, I perform like weddings and like live events. Oh, cool. And I, I play bongos because it's a bit more like subtle. Like <laughs> wedding guests aren't going to appreciate like a 20-inch crash cymbal, like just <laughs> going off in their faces when they're on the dance floor. So yeah, like a little, kind of like a more compact set where I have like my bongos, my hand percussion, mic it up obviously, otherwise no one's gonna hear. Add a touch of reverb, just sweeten it up, it'll be nice. Um so yeah, it's it's the same. And I, I get that like I to be honest, I don't really see the difference between drumming as a therapy in terms of whether you're just using like a bongo or like a djembe or as a full drum set. You know, I think that's just a luxury to have the full drum set if you've actually got that. Mm. Like you can you can facilitate that. Um also feel like young children and maybe like elderly patients like a drum set isn't necessarily going to be the most practical or like a simple thing to like find your way around um but it's exactly the same structure it's exactly the same the way you use your mind and the way you have to coordinate yourself your limbs um using a djembe or a bongo is really in my opinion all you're doing is you're adding feet into a drum set um but besides that using it within a musical context there's, there's no difference yeah mm, good one all right so let's see you mentioned elderly populations and yeah. i know you did some research about yes. therapeutic drumming can you tell us about that yeah so what my my interest with this was kind of more relating to a specific area I, I studied at university was um, musical nostalgia. Mm. And this isn't really something that had been covered before. So I actually did, well, I was like, how, how do they relate? Like, you know, everyone can attest to the, a song mm -hmm. that you literally forgot. It's not in your, it's not in your brain at all. And it probably hasn't been for years, but one song can just recall feelings like memories emotions all these things you can literally just draw them out like with effortlessly like without you having to think or do anything it's instinctive and i thought how how is this being utilized like how is this actually being used uh for patients with alzheimer's and dementia and i wasn't aware of the amount of the the number of kind of charities that are actually in fact and this is still very new this is like from like 2011 onwards really is kind of like the most recent use of music as a therapy in amongst like elderly patients but it's it's something that is has been overlooked for a very long long amount of time but it's been with with recent studies it's been proven that it, it builds, it builds like neural connections, rebuilds them, mm -hmm. you know, it's, and the more you do it, the more you listen to familiar music, it can just build more neural connections and help, help patients to fi like find themselves again, mm -hmm. find themselves their their own memories, channel these, these inner understandings in a way that I find is just so fantastic and really kind of like interesting and what like makes me think what can we what can we learn from this how can we do this how can we help this further like not only to recover but prevent mm -hmm. you know like music like throughout our lives if the if we can listen to music more and just engage with music in in this way surely there's the preventative things we like there as well uh, but yeah, that was like one topic I was really, really interested in. Um, and I wrote a whole piece of it that I put up on like Music Think Tank that was like shared all around as well. I can, you can put that in at the end. Um, so yeah, I hope people find that interesting. So it's, it's always interesting to me to have international guests on because... Um how music therapy is used and recognized and its prevalence is super different so yeah, exactly i i don't think it's in the uk there's 
I think it's definitely going to be fairly different to to your experiences with it because I personally, it's not like a necessarily like a typical career route mm. that like people would just think of to like go into. Like I was at at university, like it wasn't something that was ever discussed or any specific like modules or career opportunities regarding it. It was more, you know, like the music business side, Mm -hmm. music performance, um, like sound design and production. So yeah, it was kind of like the typical, typical sides of what people would associate with like the music industry, but nothing that's typically well-known or well-versed. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. All right. So you, you touched on uh, music and mindfulness is one of your things and preventative care for using musical nostalgia. So did how did those two things tie together? And was it the chicken before the egg or the egg before the chicken that led so, you to mindfulness? Yeah. So it's basically, it's always been kind of around drumming and me understanding and feeling firsthand this this experience like when I play drums I could play for hours and it feels like it's five minutes I don't think it's just instinctive like and I thought that why why is this the case like no other instrument requires so much you know expenditure Mm. of yourself um it's it's more than just uh you know I'm not not to discredit any other instrument whatsoever but it's physically tolling you use your arms your wrists your fingers your legs your calf muscles your thighs your quads it's literally everything and there's so much feeling there and like there's so many sensations and then that's not including the, the how loud the instrument is and the feeling that you get from the different feelings like for example whether you're playing an eight inch tom or a 22 inch bass drum or like a 21 inch ride cymbal whatever it is you're, it's everything you hit gives you a different feeling and that's that's how it how it is because cymbals are obviously bronze and drums are wood with a with with a skin so whatever you play you always it's always like a different feeling from the rebound of the the instrument that you're playing and then when you include that with how it sounds and how you can achieve different sounds all across the kit whether you play dead on in the middle of the drum or whether whether you're on the bell of the cymbal or the edge or whether you're crashing that's not this isn't even including dynamics and how you're playing on the kit so there's literally endless opportunity to explore with the way that you play a drum set and it's it's meditative like there's so many things to explore there and when you're playing to a groove when you're playing to like a specific rhythm meter um it's you get into it and you don't really need to think about it because drumming a lot of drumming is muscle memory Mm. it's like the best way to learn is to just repeat a different so you break up like a challenging song by section by bar literally just like repeat listen repeat listen repeat until you don't really have to think about it it's just completely instinctive and yeah like when i did this song yesterday like i said the challenging song tom sawyer by rush um Kind of, I do have to think about it a bit just to kind of like anticipate what's coming up next. But in the moment, I'm not thinking about it. I don't need to think, oh, I need to hit that snare good or I need to hit it on the three of the bar or like, don't forget that four and like, it's it's just instinctive. I, I don't have to think about it. And I think that opportunity is for everyone. You don't have to be good at drumming mm. to be able to do the things. I, It's, you know, if if you drive or if any listeners drive, I'm sure lots do, you, you don't really think about it. I mean, in England, we drive manuals mostly. In America, you drive automatics. But here in England, we have to do the manual gearbox, what you call stick, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we, I mean, I don't think about it. Drivers don't think about it. You literally just end up at your destination. You've done all the different gear changes. You're braking, you're indicating, you do all these things. And you don't really think about it. It's just instinctive. It's natural. It's, it's muscle memory. You've done it so many times that you don't have to think about it. And for me, that's the case with drumming. And for any of my students, they'll be in the exam room. And I just say flow with it, like literally just enjoy yourself. You don't have to think about this because the work that you've done, rehearsing, practicing, building that valuable muscle memory, you don't have to think about it. The more you think about it, like almost the more to your detriment, 
and this is something that I'm also we can get on to. I'm very interested in is um, it's basically how the harder, the more effort you apply, but live performing or in like crucial moments, the more stress you're putting yourself under, and the harder it is for yourself because it's the more effort, like the the more pressure you're going to put on yourself, and then. Basically, you're going to try so hard not to mess up or slip up that you kind of almost will. It's like the ironic process of the mind. Mm -hmm. And that's something I'm very, very interested in. Um, but to back towards like the drumming and how it's meditative, it's it's something that I've just kind of, the older I'm getting, the more I'm realizing is this, there's there's potential here. There's healing potential. There's, it's it's incredible. Like what, for me or anyone else, you know, when you're feeling it, when you're feeling the sensations, you're listening to the sounds, when you're working to a groove and you're playing music, it's beautiful. It's, it's something that like time flies. It really does. And this is, yeah, this is what I'm doing. I'm trying to bridge the gap between music and mindfulness and drumming and trying to share the benefits of drumming. You know, there's, there's so many. And it's something that I believe there is going to be more and more, more and more research and application towards in the future. Do you, um, I'm, where do I start with this? I march drum corps. Are you familiar with what drum corps is? It's, I am, okay. but it's not a thing in the uk yeah i marched with someone who came across the pond to march with us he was from the uk so um, that sounds awesome yeah i'd love to do that myself it's it's a big thing in like your in in american culture isn't it yeah except for this year um because covid but (laughs) yeah yeah right but so what you're everything you're saying is whenever we would get off the field from a performance that's totally the mindset i was in it was kind of like the time the 11 12 minutes of the show was just like it's the time went by I'm not even sure what happened I know it was a good show I was so focused on what I was doing mm. um it's totally like what you're was, saying your body was just doing stuff mm-hmm. right you like you wouldn't realize you, you don't think right hand there left hand there like it's just it's doing it it's happening yes that you're realizing yes and, and god yes uh that's it like that's that's the marvel of it. Your your body's reacting and it's doing things always in time and yeah, it's 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 remarkable. Like go on, sorry, I think I I think I cut you in. No, you're good. Uh so you, then you said about when you think of a mistake. I know there's like Murphy's law is anything that can go wrong will go wrong, but there's a label for like oh, object fixation. If you focus on you know, trying not to make a mistake or yeah. overthink what you're doing, like you will do that thing because you're so focused on it. And oh, for sure, yeah. I don't believe in, I don't believe in like you are what you think. Ah. I, I'm not someone who thinks that like if you think about good things, good things will come. Or I believe in like positive affirmations. I don't really believe in that kind of stuff because I believe that you don't really control lots of the thoughts that enter your mind. Mm. We don't. We have like. 60,000 thoughts a day and only few of them are intentional and deliberate so I'm actually not for one that believes that you can just say I'm gonna do this well and you'll do it well it's not the case it's just I think it's about taking thoughts less seriously and better understanding how the mind really works because it's something that hasn't really evolved Mm. well Um, (laughs) (laughs) so yeah kind of more in line with like live performance and pressure and these kind of things. I think that like the things like performance anxiety and really achieving your best performance is like relaxed state. Like when you're in a, and it's easy to say relax, you can't try to relax. Like it's, it's a very natural thing, but you know, things like I'm, I'm interested in sports psychology and a book that you might be familiar with called the, the Inner Game of Tennis. Mm. And it's it basically dictates that you have two selves, an inner self and a thinking self. And it's your inner self that's the quiet confidence, the awareness, 
the things that do without you thinking. You know, when you're playing drums in an, and you're just fluidly going in and out of odd time signatures, nailing every fill note by note, that's not you thinking. Right, left, right, left, paradiddle, um, flam, you know, inverse, paradiddle. It's, it's not that. That, that. That's you. That's literally... That's your innermost self. That's the quiet confidence. And that's the awareness. And that's what's built with muscle memory and listening. You know, these are things that, especially for drumming, but it can be applied to any instrument. If you can build that before a performance, you practice and you're well rehearsed, you've done the hard work, then it's basically, then it's the thinking self that's going to inhibit that. Mm. That's the intercepting that. Interference is what the inner game of tennis says. That's in, that is interference. So results is potential minus interference, I believe. I might have worded that wrong slightly. but And the thinking self is the one that's saying, don't slip up. Uh, this is the important bit. You've got to get that right. Um, that's what's going to inhibit you. Thinking that's a big crowd out there. or I hope they like me. Oh, what if I, I know I'm not that good at this bit, so really focus and make sure that I, I get that right. You know, you, these are things that are inhibiting performance. Ironically, you want to be really good at it, trying to prevent the mistakes, but all that's doing is going to make you slip up. Mm. Being aware of that is helpful. And this is something that not a lot of people know about. You know, and you can't just tell someone, calm down. Like, it's, it's, like, it's almost like the wrong advice is being given a lot of the time to people who are struggling with uh, any stage fright and performance anxiety. It's, it's about not taking yourself so seriously and understanding how, how you function. And it's that people don't realize that it's the, that inner awareness and that instinctive nature is what carries you through a performance. And understand that can help you actually to enjoy it because you might think, hey, I don't even need to really think that hard about it or do anything that like intense or think of it any differently. That's why it's like your best performance will be on your own in your room. You'll like do it perfectly. There's no pressure. Mm -hmm. But then on a big stage and you feel like you're going to be judged and there's it's everything's leading onto this. This is like the highlight. This is my moment kind of thing. You know, it's a big thing. Like it's called like choking. You choke under pressure. There's no need. There's no. There's no need. If you can really understand how you perform, that inner self versus the thinking self, I mean, it takes pressure. The first time I heard of the flow state, yeah, like the psychological uh, Western idea of flow, was in a sports psychology class uh, in college, and. I actually took that and one of our assignments was to do a presentation, blah, blah, blah. And I switched it to music and then taught my athlete peers about what, why we're learning applies to music. So how else have you been bridging that music and mindfulness to, to put it all together? Yeah. So it's, it's all related, you know, anything that, that desires performance, anything that requires a high level of achievement, you know, there's always going to be that pressure there. Mm. And with, if you have that pressure, then it takes away from the creative nature of something. And it's, it's an art, like music is an art form and also it's subjective. Mm. So where it, it's almost sad to think about how much pressure people really put on themselves when it comes to recitals, um, important performances, you know, especially as this, a lot of this research is an understanding is very new. Um, something else, all this kind of connection between, accepting your thoughts and not trying to like force your way around them is something that comes from acceptance and commitment therapy, which is also a very new um, realm. And it's so interesting for me 
because these are all very new things. And I think if we can apply this in the, like in this way, whether it's performance or just you know having fun at home, I think it will lead to just greater enjoyment. Because when when you don't when you perform free from pressure and you can really just engage with your instrument in in that that natural way, like it should be enjoyed with that with that like childlike curiosity, which is something that's prevalent in in mindfulness. That's what we want to re-engage, not taking not taking it so seriously. Uh, simply just having fun with it, like it like it ought to be. And that's something else that I'm I'm quite you know trying to, trying to bring through to between drumming and mindfulness, because especially in this today's culture where there's a, there's a lot of pressure, people want to make sure that oh you know there's there's all these comparisons people put around and people mm-hmm. judge themselves. And think, oh, like all I see is, you know, talented, like Instagrammers and YouTubers and all yes. these all these kinds of things. But it's not it's not a competition at the end of the day. Mm. And you know, engaging with your instrument in bringing it back to basics, engaging with it in in that way of like childlike curiosity. You just want to enjoy it and be able to see it without. And I'm guilty of this. I was, I've had bouts of being like that, judging my judging my rehearsals, judging my practicing, and judging my my mistakes and all this kind of stuff. And that that takes away from the enjoyment, especially from drums, where there's so much enjoyment to be had. All this interference, like it's meaningless. You know, if you really kind of can change your perspective, take that, take it away from it. And you'll you'll be rewarded more because you'll you'll enjoy it more. You'll be able to play better, mm. and you'll you'll see more the fruits of your labor better when you when it when it comes to it. So yeah, uh, that was good. I was fortunate enough to be part of a team at a, a state hospital, so um, a residential facility for people with mental illness diagnoses. Okay. Um, and there was this team that did acceptance and commitment therapy, and we kind of cycled through things. It was a mixture of um, the psychiatrist and the psychologist working with the clients. They did, I think it was equine therapy they did some other psychology things and then they would do music therapy with us like within that framework uh and they loved when we brought in drums loved when we brought in hand percussion right until we gave them an instrument and it was so intimidating for them to to you know have that instrument because they're like oh this is the music therapist and like I don't want to mess up in front of my peers but we found that mindful listening it was a tool they were more easily able to get into and to access. So I know you are also doing stuff with mindful listening. Yeah, what can you definitely. tell us about that? It's just all the sensations, everything we experience around us is there's opportunity in everything to explore and find new things always, no matter what it is. It can be something that seems bad, but it's only your thinking self that, that, re- that really perceives it as being that. Nothing is good or bad by nature. And if you can change your perspective, whatever it is you're doing, you can find new ways to, in, to enjoy stuff. Mm. If it's like, even if it's the same route you drive or the same song you're playing or the same song you're listening to, you can always find new details, always exploring, exploring that through mindfulness, channeling mindful, mindful values, just experiencing, not thinking about the experience, but just simply experiencing and with a with a curious mind and without judgment, being able to see, and that, that's the thing. That's what that's the gateway. That's what opens up enjoyment. You know, taking away that interference and just experiencing things for what they are, mm. it will open up so many doors. You know, and for people who are might be intimidated by musical instruments, why is that? Why why is that? It's afraid of messing up, afraid of being judged or embarrassed or whatever it is, is, there's no need for that. Like when you, I bet kids would all jump up and do 
whatever they wanted. There's no fear of messing up, no fear of any of that. But it's it's when we become adults and we're kind of more reserved and got a bit more of a guard up and we care more about what people think and stuff like that. But it's 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 not about that. Like these instruments are it's it's leisure. It's it's meant to be enjoyed. Um, mm. <laughs> yeah, just getting back to enjoying being engaged in the present moment and being open and having that real curiosity. And I think that's what will just open up so many doors. Like I've said, uh, using our, using our focus in different ways on sensations, on sounds, on sights, uh, on, fe on feelings, whether, whatever instrument it is, there's always all these things all these things, the sounds, the sensations, whether you're like holding a guitar with your left hand, whether you're playing fretboard or you're strumming with your right, um, or you're singing, you can even really begin to feel, uh, really focus on the sensations that go on in your, in your throat when you're singing, or even when you're breathing, you start focusing on your breathing whilst you're performing. Mm. And that's, that's like the first way to begin training your mind with mindfulness is through breathing exercises and I find that I do that when I'm drumming if I'm kind of into realizing that I'm my mind's maybe starting to be like interfered I'll kind of just be able to let it go accept it come back to come back to the breath I do this in life just in day-to-day -day life you know if I'm starting to feel stressed I'm like well, well take it take a step back like just regain focus, regain clarity, focus on the breath and come back to the present moment. Maybe it's because we're talking about drumming, but everything you're saying is bringing me back again to my drum corps days. And um, we we would rehearse for 15 hours a day, right? We would wake up at seven in the morning and not go to bed until 10, 11 o'clock. and insane. Yeah, 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 under the sun. Wow. Like so, and it was stressful. It's stressful being on tour with like, hundred other people doing that every day and we had a staff member that anytime like we were all feeling it he would pick up the microphone and be like everyone take a breath and he would say breathing resets the body he's like everyone just take absolutely. your reset yeah absolutely it's the one thing that i think is always changing within ourselves if you were to literally do nothing so the breath is the only thing that's always changing you know the inhale and the exhale it's an object of focus essentially and it's always changing no no two breaths that, that ever are like that there's these nuances these micro details there they're always changing so i think that's why it makes such a good you know exercise and a good object of focus and also deep breaths deep breathing uh brings in more oxygen so you will it will de-stress kind of like have an instant effect but nothing like the the long going the kind of like the long-term neuroscience that that mindfulness uh has proven you know the, the profound benefits mindfulness has but in terms of like the very short term like taking a deep breath uh in and out maybe 10 breaths that will that'll do wonders especially in like quite a stressful intense moment you kind of just answered the next question was it, that was in my head, but do you have any favorite breathing techniques you want to share with the listeners? Um, to be honest, I don't really have a favorite. I kind of just like to, it doesn't matter really how long it is, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's going to be like 10 seconds or 10 minutes or half an hour if you're basically enlightened. But, <laughs> but if you, you know, no matter, it's almost like it can, it can seem daunting to like start off with like a 10 minute breathing exercise. You know, people, that's when the, the interference comes in, starts to be a bit more like boring or like, what is this? I'm not experiencing any benefits from this yet or whatever. But, you know, it just takes dedication. And I think it's the perspective of the mind that's more important than like the duration of the breathing exercise. It's really coming at it with an openness and acceptance and curiosity i think is more important than the like the, the type of breathing but just i think in a to be honest in a quiet place really and just sitting upright um 
I found that I can do it pretty pretty easily, like on the tube or like on public transport. And it's noisy, but like I kind of let those things come in. Like the announcements from like the train driver or whatever, like I'll just I see that as like noise, sound, and kind of like let that involve my the the exercise in itself. I'll just let these things become a part of it rather than like try and fight it, try and push it out. Mm. Which is what people do. You know, we don't like something, we get rid of it. That's what that's what the nature of us is like. Coming back to like performing, you know, I don't like I'm gonna get rid of that. But the mind doesn't work like that. Mm. So, so like basically coming to that is I've seen it in so many different variations of it. But it's basically if I was to tell you not to try and think, okay, by under no account are you allowed to think of an ice cream, okay? <laughs> Strawberry ice cream, chocolate ice cream with a flake, okay, on a hot day. By on no account must you think of it. Do not think of the strawberry ice cream, okay? And if you can, for a minute, successfully not think of it, then you'll be, like, the first person in history ever. Because it's impossible. You can't physically force about not thinking something. Mm. It's, it's impossible. This nature of, like, the mind is something that interests me so much. Um, relating to performance and how it can unleash your best self, you know, really this, knowing this stuff can help you to become a better performance because it's meant become a better performer musician because it's mental. It's not just about practicing a million hours. You know, it's a combination of having due, having due preparation and the right mental state Mm. to really unlock your like ultimate creativity your best like awe inspiring performance is a combination of both and you know i like to think that anyone can play drums there's no like magic gift obviously you will see the, the best drums on the planet that are like you might think a different league that is just in that is just a love for their craft and hours hours and hours thousands of hours you know and talent and talent but like (laughs) (laughs) talent in the mix as well but you know anyone can play drums and it goes back to when you're saying that like group workshops and group therapy with drumming everyone can do it children uh elderly patients elderly people everyone can enjoy the benefits that drumming has to offer it's the most inclusive instrument. It's in every style of music. Mm. No style of music. It's the world's oldest instrument. Dates back to like five and a half thousand BC. And it's the most inclusive. Like, yeah, there might be styles of music, like uh, like atmospheric music or like acapella music that like doesn't doesn't have any drums. I I really enjoy listening to um kind of like soundtracks and atmospheric music as well it kind of gives me a little bit of a break and it's i find it pretty quite inspiring to like to like write to i can't really write blogs or kind of guides to pounding rock music or whatever like something it's just a bit too um it kind of deflects my my focus in a way so i find that it's better to for myself personally just work to more tranquil music but besides that drums are everywhere so that's why that it's, it's so inclusive one of the things i always say to clients when they're intimidated when i give them a drum i always say <laughs> there's no wrong notes yeah there's exactly. no wrong notes on the drum <laughs> exactly and it, it doesn't matter what age nationality gender race you are you know like you don't and you don't really need to have any experience you there's no (laughs) 
there's no like crazy guitar hero noise that's just like gonna come out like a crowd noise to like boo you is <laughs> it's there's no wrong notes you're right like you play out of time sure that comes with if you really want to excel and like learn your craft you know those are the things that you you kind of like work on to develop that sense of timekeeping and feel but especially in you'd find you'd find it so i'm sure from your experience you put 30 people in a room without any drumming experience to play to a relatively slow bpm and a simple rhythm everyone's doing it like straight away we can do it our mind has the ability to process to to apply the rhythm like from our minds through to our hands or feet like so easily you'll get 30 people variety of ages just literally playing in unison and for a long time and everyone has fun we are rhythmic beings yeah exactly sure. this the heart the heart it's a beating heart and that's what keeps us alive when you really think about it like our life source has a rhythm mm -hmm. we're compelled to rhythm music like it's what compels people to dance you know imagine trying to see a nightclub without a beat or a concert without a drummer everyone's going to be like what the hell is going on it's something that we just instinctively drawn to you know, it really has the power to just get people up off their feet. We are rhythmic beings. Exactly. Awesome. Do you have anything else you want to get into before we move into our rapid fire questions? Something that I'm very interested in is the sheer number of benefits that drumming brings and how it activates the brain. Like, so extensively and how it's actually been proven scientifically proven that music and drumming in particular engages the brain in such a profound way like it's it's remarkable it it, it really is like neuroscience is showing that drumming is a therapy it, it absolutely is, wholeheartedly is. And it's something we're going to see more of, no doubt. And in addition to that, it's, it's a workout, mm. you know, like there's been some, not, not a whole load of studies, but like some studies that have shown that it, it's pretty much a similar workout to like jogging or skiing or yeah just basically exercise moderate exercise intense drumming and extended periods of drumming is is exercise you'll see rock drummers literally sweating and i from experience i i was like i come home knackered yesterday from playing rehearsing recording for, for like hours at a time it uses it uses all of your limbs together independently as well <laughs> it's yeah it's I, I don't think there's any instrument quite like it okay. so it's the only <laughs> like i said before the only i feel drawback is having to take it all everywhere a drum set <laughs> all the hardware all the symbols everything it is it's a pain but it's worth it way to bring so, it yeah. full circle yeah full circle awesome i really this is a good a good chat good reminder um just like like you've said just to not overthink things and just be childlike and enjoy enjoy playing music in our profession there's always conversation about um you touched on this using music as a leisure activity and how yeah. we tend not to do that because we're doing music for other people all day every day so to, to then go home and to use music for ourselves is like the last thing we want to do 
But everything you've exactly. said is a great reminder of like, it can be easy and simple and it's okay. <laughs> for sure. And for, yeah, for people like yourself, it's uh, it's like a tool for work. For others, it's an aim, it's an objective. You know, mm-hmm. if you like want to break out into the music industry or you're in a band or you're like a session musician, you know, and at that point it's like, it just becomes so much of like a career focus that it's work and it's and it's intense and there's pressure and you know so it's either going to be work something you do all day as a tool or something that you do all day with the hopes of you know the the that kind of pressure of this is what you like need to do mm. and strip that all back you know it's it is a leisure activity and it's ought to be enjoyed mm. but why else does anyone stop music or dedicate their time to, to playing music in the first place. It's not to become good at it because if that's your perspective, you're going to hate it. But it's, it's to, it's to enjoy it, you know, and for myself, like I did my most musical growth and real kind of technical maturity is, has been just from having fun, literally just enjoying myself sitting away carefree, just enjoying it, not placing pressure and expectations. Mm -hmm. And that's something that people always do in life is we put insane pressure expectations onto things, but strip it back because that's when I've done my most musical, musical growth and maturity is just from having fun. And I'm sure that so many people will, that will resonate with people because it's, it's what it's, it's what it's all about at the end of the day. It's an art, it's enjoyment, it's entertainment, it's fun. And that's what it's all about. Well said, well said. All right. Are you ready for the rapid fire questions? I think so. I think so. Forgive me if I slip up. Oh, so people get intimidated. I should say this. The rapid fire questions are all about you. So there's no wrong answer. All right. Excellent. (laughs) All right. First one. Coffee or tea? Uh, Tea. I don't like coffee. Uh, Is that because you're in the UK? (laughs) No, everyone I know loves coffee. Definitely people love coffee here, but I just, I just don't like it. Even like the, (laughs) we say like, we have like, caramel latte and like kind of like fun flavors but yeah I don't know I've tried just really not into it all right early bird or night owl uh I'm definitely not an early bird at all literally help me if I have to get up early and you see me because I'll be in a bad mood (laughs) (laughs) yeah I uh but I'm not really I'm not really a a night owl either I kind of just like getting a, a solid night's sleep you don't really find me up that late just kind of yeah middle like bird mid, yeah middle 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 bird that's me <laughs> something you would tell your younger self great um that's really interesting i think it's to not put not put so much pressure on on anything I'm doing just to not take things for granted and enjoy the ride basically Mm. just have have fun all right so usually I ask the guest to give their music therapy elevator speech so instead I'm gonna flip it and ask what you think music therapy is and if you're intimidated by that, I'm going to say it's good for us to know what other people interpret music therapy I think is. I think I'd really like to know what an elevator speech is because that sounds awesome. Oh, maybe maybe that's like a, a like a. What on earth is that? <laughs> so so that I guess the analogy would be if you're in the elevator and someone, you know, I have a pin on that says like I'm a music therapist and they say, what is music therapy? And I only have the time in the elevator to explain it to them. So it's called an oh, elevator okay. speech. Okay. Okay. 
I like that. So if someone, so, yeah, what do you think music therapy is? So I think it could definitely be a broad, a broad range of techniques. I think it could be a broad range of uh, experiences. I don't think there's a one size fits all thing for music therapy. And I think that everyone kind of has a different relationship to what they might think music could be, you know, um, there's all different types of people. Some people are more familiar with music. Some people uh, just don't even have an interest in music whatsoever, really. Like I find it's quite rare, but like you might find someone who's just like, I'm just not that interested in music, you know, don't, don't really have phone, like music downloaded on their phone or like don't have, like a Spotify premium or something like that, you know, just kind of just listen to what's on like the charts or whatever, but like, or some people who are just obsessed with one type of music or an artist or really kind of might already have a strong idea and an understanding of, of the music they like and maybe relate to that music in a, in a, in a meaningful way. So I think it, I think it varies really, but I think, I think it's something that helps people understand themselves better and I think cultivates uh, kindness, mm. uh, clarity, uh, enjoyment. And yeah, I, I think music therapy is something that has enormous potential to enable people to help them with their own feelings and enjoy themselves more. I think that was a great explanation. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> Your How favorite you self-care practice. Uh, I've probably got a few, but I, I really like, I really like hot baths. So if I can have a hot bath and have a bit of time and space to myself mm. then yeah that feels good good one something that's currently adding value to your life Ooh. is it, is it could it be anything a thing a person anything. yeah anything um so i've recently taken up cycling as a hobby at the start of lockdown because there's nothing else to do. And it's something I've always kind of wanted to do a little bit. I was just like, oh, like, I like this. Like, this is fun. So, yeah, uh, that's something I've, that's been keeping me, giving me kind of like throughout lockdown, obviously an incredibly difficult and challenging period. I found it's something that's helped keep me refreshed and refocused as well, being out and in the outdoors and, kind of just exploring again with this like kind of like childlike curiosity without any pressure like kind of like the start of drumming you know like if that was me with cycling now I'm sure I'd always be looking at like a personal best or beating <laughs> my past length of time or whatever but now it's just I'm just doing it for fun and getting a bit of exercise and just experiencing kind of like the things I do and the things I see in in a new way and it goes by completely like that like like how drumming is for me I play for two hours and it feels like five minutes and that's yeah that's how I feel with cycling right now so that's something that's adding value to my life uh your favorite drumming or music practice to either teach or implement for yourself I think most effective or most enjoyable either um, I think most enjoyable is playing with a kind of like a new setup or like a new piece of kit. Mm -hmm. I think that's like really inspiring and motivating and just feels so fun. You know, if I'm just playing with like a new snare drum or like I did yesterday, I, I switched up my setup and I had kind of had, had my ride cymbal placed in a new way that found it like really kind of like even easier to, to reach with my right hand and kind of like help improve 
it wasn't as like extended to reach because I normally play with like two toms in front of me, like a rack tom and a middle tom. But for like the recording session I did yesterday, I took the middle tom out and I had the ride cymbal over and I was like, oh, this is this is exciting. Like might not sound that exciting, but <laughs> it definitely felt. It was like oh, okay, like I can reach that easy. I can play this. I can get this feel in a new way. So yeah, I think just keeping it fresh, keeping it exciting, and just experimenting with with new setups or new equipment. I think that's the most enjoyable. Like to get like a new snare drum or um it's little things you know that can just like elevate the kind of like the motivation or the the experience just slightly it's like always you know stopping you don't want things to become like stagnant or too monotonous well and that's one of the versatile things about drumming right is you can change just like one Everything, aspect yeah. of it or you know a couple oh yeah i mean now I think about it like i don't know someone who plays like the oboe or the, the bassoon it's like you can't really like modify it or uh experiment with necessarily i mean correct me if i'm wrong i'm not too sure but <laughs> you like, can change as the far read as I'm aware, as far as yeah as far as i'm aware there's there's really no like customization or kind of like adjustability but for drums there's so much no two kits are ever the same like <laughs> uh neil pert who rest in peace one of the greatest of all time was uh, his song Tom Sawyer that I recorded like a video of yesterday and this recording and my god his setup <laughs> if you haven't seen it is unbelievable what he had it was like three or four drum sets in one like multiple bass drums concert toms across the board like 21 cymbals um, an electronic kit behind him he could literally 360 spin in his drum throne and play everything in like one enormous like continuous fill it's crazy you know it's just, it's fun it's quite like it's that's part of it another thing that makes drums so fun is always expanding trying out new sounds and the way things feel you know like i said earlier at the stars like whether you play like an eight inch rack tom or a ride cymbal the sensations that come through from from hitting the drumstick onto that part of the drum set as to something else. It always provides like a slightly different feel and a slightly different sensation. And obviously sounds, all mm. the sounds, everything's different. No two symbols are the same. And you tune up everything to how you like. So it all adds to the fun. Um, yeah, kind of forgot where I was going with that, but. <laughs> you have <laughs> a lot of it. passion for it, which is, it's yeah, awesome it's, to hear. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. All right, last question is, where can the listeners find you and connect with you? Okay, so um, my website, my blog is called drumhelper.com. I've got guides. I've got some lessons. I've got tips. I've got reviews. Uh, it's all on there. It's all on there. I'm building that up. I'm building up my YouTube as well. And I'm on Instagram. And, yeah, if you want to connect then go for it. I'm up there. Cool. I will have all that stuff linked in the Fantastic. show notes. Thank you for making the time to talk with me today. Thank, thank you for having me on board. This has been really great. Of course. Enjoyed it. Yeah. Have a good rest of your day. Thank you so much. And you. Thank you. Bye. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. It's so nice to have a reminder about just using music as leisure to enjoy it without expectation, without judgment, to just enjoy making music for the joy of making music and be in the flow. Um, as I touched on in this episode, I know a lot of us talk about the difficulty of using music in our self-care practice, even though we know it's it's so important to us, right? We unlikely would have become music therapists if we didn't know the benefits of music and have personal experience with those benefits. But sometimes it can be really difficult to continue implementing those in our daily lives. So this was a great reminder. Honestly, it made me want to just pick up my djembe and like go drum some random beats or find a song to drum along to. Um, 
So let me know if you're feeling the same way after this interview. Uh, Or also, have you found parallels between sports psychology and what we do as music therapists or any other connections? You can DM me those or you can start a conversation on our Facebook group. That's at Music Therapy Chronicles and then find the little group button on that page. You can also find us on Instagram. Um, trying to be more active over there, have some behind the scenes in the highlights if you want to see some of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes of the podcast. And you'll also be up to date on some of the new projects that I am working and collaborating on. Hint, hint. Anyway, Uh, You can also support the podcast by becoming a patron on patreon.com slash music therapy chronicles. That link is also always in the show notes. And if you or someone you know is interested in being on the show, please let me know by sending a email to feedback at music therapy chronicles.com. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Our quote comes from Timothy Galway's book, The Inner Game of Tennis. The player of the inner game comes to value the art of relaxed concentration above all other skills. He discovers a true basis for self-confidence, and he learns that the secret to winning any game lies in not trying too hard. Mm -hmm.